Yo, Counter-Attack Podcast with myself, Daps. Guys, got to wear the hat today because the hair's not looking too... You know what I mean? You know what I mean? So, guys, I'm back again. Another podcast. Here we go. So, make sure you keep liking, subscribing, sharing, all of that good stuff. Um, keep Sharing is the most important thing. <coughs> so, yeah. Guys, send this to your friends, send this to your family members, send it to whoever. Let's just keep it going because I'm loving, I can't lie, I've been really happy with like on social media how the clips are going in regards to like the engagement and everything. Um, the plays on Spotify and stuff like that is through the roof. YouTube is taking a bit longer to get there. But even that with YouTube, there's, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. So yeah, man, guys, just, you know, keep going. I'm going to start doing live streams. So literally, after I finish recording, I'm going to um, get all the equipment to do the, the live streams because I got equipment before, but I don't think it was the right one. So, and, um, but I want the live streams to be proper live, live streams, not through a flipping laptop. Like, no, we're going to do it properly. We're going to have this quality camera and, yeah, we're just going to stream whilst we um, watch games and you know even like to get reaction to games would be good to have that there so yeah man we're, we're gonna we're gonna do all of that so um where to start where to start man united won the carling cup yesterday or the carabao cup so showing not even showing my age just showing i just forgot um if i'm being totally honest good performance from them and you know what bar the arsenal match of late, United, I think Arsenal and Man City are lucky that United started slowly because the way they're playing, they're looking like a real team. And yesterday, I never once felt, I mean, the opening, before before United got their goal, Newcastle were in it and they were, you know, um, they were like, very much in the game and they were even dominating possession and I felt and I might be wrong if I say this I felt that like the goal that United got the first goal was against the run of play and um, and once United got in front Newcastle just they just looked deflated they just looked like they didn't really have the answers you don't have the answers Sway so that, yeah they just looked like they didn't have the answers and if I was Eddie Howe I'll be so annoyed at like Bruno Gamaras for giving away that stupid free kick because it just goes to show the margins in football are just in a game like to could just be turned on their head just like that. Bruno fouls, I think it was Rashford he fouled from there from the resulting free kick. Casemiro goes in and scores his goal, and you know two minutes later Rashford's in. I don't know if they actually credited that to Rashford in the end. Um, I know he went to do the whole. But then it went down as an own goal. But um, I don't know if they actually um, credit that to him. So that remains to be seen. But, you know, once they got two ahead, if I'm being totally honest, I never once felt like Newcastle were going to come back. And what United are very good at right now is controlling the game. United are very good at seeing the game out. So like I said, Newcastle, Carabao Cup, they get 2-0 two, two ahead. And they're just good at just snuffing everything out. They do enough to just control the game, 
even when the other team are dominated possession, there were times towards the end, especially when Newcastle were, were going for it, but they just snuff everything out. They just control it and they see out the game in a professional way. And a big part of that, and I'm getting sick and tired of talking about him, is is Casemiro. Like, Casemiro has got the intelligence to just... So even in that second half, we saw him drop deeper and deeper into like the back... Um, like to almost make a back three at times and he's just always there to just read the game and, and know where danger is and and I was having a conversation with someone who says he's always fouling and I'm like nah his fouls are very tactical but a lot of the time he doesn't he doesn't even foul like that I don't think I don't think Casemiro's even a fouler like that he's just he's just got incredible reading of the game he, and on top of that he can ball out as well he can he can ball out as well and and there was a moment in that second half where by I think the goal's gone out he's blocked it it's gone out for a goal kick and he's got up and he's like yes to the crowd and I was just like we need Casemiro Arsenal he's such a big player and yeah we just we just need him at Arsenal and oh, I don't know what's do I tweeted that maybe. If United offer us five mil and Casemiro, we might give them El Neni because Casemiro would be good backup for a party and Jorginho. So, um, yeah, no, no, United are, are, are looking real good and I think it's it's clear to see that Ten Hag has changed the whole... And I know we hear it all the time about culture in the club and whatever, but you can see it. Like, the there was a disconnect between the fans and the players. Whereas now everyone is pulling in the same direction. The only ones, if I'm being totally honest, who aren't, are the stubborn ones. The ones who just, who are just so glazed out, glazed out that they, they can't do anything but hold on to that. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I even heard, oh, we want Glazer out. But when you really look at it, if I, I'm not going to get into the whole, into the whole Glazer thing, but anyone that's not supporting that United team as a United supporter right now, they're just bitter and they just need something to complain about. But you could see that something is really happening there. And in his first season, he's won the Carabao Cup. And some people are just are going to say it's just the Carabao. You know, let's talk about that. United have won the Carabao Cup now. And, <coughs> sorry, United have won the Carabao Cup now. And, one of the first things I was seeing was, it's just the Carabao Cup, why do we care? And I get for banter purposes, you know, as fans, we can we can say it's just the Carabao Cup, but really and truly, I don't think people realise how difficult it is to win any trophy when you play football. Like, forget the Carabao Cup, just in general. The, ha like, the vast majority of players go through their entire careers not winning anything not really competing for anything, the vast majority. So, like, when we talk about winning Carabao Cup, it's an accolade, it's, a, it's, a, it's an accomplishment and one that the United players and the management should be proud of because in a, in a time where you've got all of these top teams all trying to get that cup and it's harder to get cups. Not like back in the day where you, can, you could get the Carabao Cup because no one really cared about it. People want that trophy because it's harder to win any trophy now. So, you know, big up United on that one. Um, 
I'm just going, I'm just going through my notes to see what else I need to talk about in regards to that game. Uh, yeah. So I do want to talk about Wan Bissaka. I don't know if I've spoken about him recently on the podcast, but I just want to say that Wan Bissaka's story in regards to being absolutely written off as a player, as a United player, and as and to be honest, he was written off not by me, but he was written off by so many as a defender and as a and and as a and as the good player he is and. And I just want to big him up because he knuckled down, he worked hard, he got back to to the level that, you know, we, we knew he could play. And to be honest, me personally, I'm seeing improvements in his overall game. And, and I just think it just goes to show what could happen when, you know, a, a player is actually, if I have spoken about this before, yeah, where a player who is actually coached properly actually um, is given the time to actually develop his game. Do you get what I'm saying? We, we were talking about a player who's, who was very young and raw, but had the special talent of being able to be a great one-on-one defender. And I remember at the time, I was saying that that is the quality as a, as a fullback that you should be thankful that you've got the most. Because, you know, we're seeing it with Trent right now, where Trent can't, you know, he struggles when it comes to defending. But Juan Basaka, we know, we know that, you know, he's he's got limitations going forward, but... That's what you got attackers there for. Do you know what I mean? As long as you're not totally hopeless going forward. Like yesterday, against St. Maximin, he, he locked him off when he came on. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, and that that in itself is a talent that, you know, is worth more than money. A fullback that can, that is actually very good at defending and defends at a high level. And we need to big him up because he's he went from being wanted, apparently, um, by Crystal Palace and all of them teams there to now being an integral part of the team. So, um, big him up always. Who else? Varane. Oh, um, Martinez, obviously. I, I always I always talk about them. And, and it pains me. It pains me to, to big up United because I can't stand them. But you have to just give props where props are due because... They're playing well and they're a really, really good team right now. And and um yeah, just it is what it is. You know, shout out to Ten Hag. Um there was an interesting tweet from from Craig Davis. I'm gonna bring it up now. Which is which is interesting. I'm just gonna touch on it very quickly. Where basically people were trying to put um people were trying to put Ten Hag in the same in the same breath as Klopp and Pep. And he basically just said, why do we always have to do that and take it too far? Why can't it just be that, why can't it just be that, you know, he's done well, he's done a good job and he's doing a good job. But we don't always have to push them to, oh, he's Pep. No, nah, Tenag is doing a really, really good job, but it's just the start. And um, I can't lie, if Arsenal are going to compete with anyone, and right now I'm not saying we're competing because that's Arsenal got their own thing going on right now. And um I don't wanna bring any negative light to the the, the job that's already hard enough for Arsenal. But if we're gonna compete with anyone, I do want to go toe to toe with Manchester United. I think Premier League heritage just needs Arsenal and Man United at the top of their games. So um 
Man United playing the way they do, having having a very, very good manager and Arsenal playing the way they do, having a very, very good manager. It's only good for, you know, football in in, in England and, you know, long may it continue. So, big them up. Um, what else, what else, what else? Just going through my notes for you guys. Um, ah, Newcastle. Yeah. I think Newcastle, I'm just trying to think how to put this. Basically, I saw things saying have Newcastle run out of steam. And I wouldn't say that they've run out of steam. But what I would say is that, I don't know if that's the same. My phone just rang. I don't know if it will come through on the Bluetooth. But um, I wouldn't say that they've run out of steam. What I would say is that they maybe just become a bit stagnant. Do you get what I'm saying? And they need to fix something. Do you get what I'm saying? Maybe it might be, you know, freshen things up with your personnel or like even things like like Isak. Isak, I'm so surprised that he didn't start yesterday, especially because Callum Wilson didn't really look at it. He looked like he might have been injured and and Eddie Howe persisted with him. Um I think Jacob Murphy maybe should have gone on. But it's 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 I don't think they'll they'll make top four. From what I've been seeing lately, I think it'll be very hard for them to to get that top four. Whereas before I was just like, you know what, they're looking really, really good and they might get that top four. I don't I don't think they will be. And if they had won that Europa League yesterday I mean Europa League, if they had won that Carabao Cup yesterday, I think it would have been very dangerous to give them that belief that they can go on to do some, something because Newcastle are going to start buying big very very soon it might be this summer so they're going to be competing and if they already have the belief that you know we can get these trophies because it's always hard to get it's harder to get that one trophy that first trophy it's always harder to get I remember when Arsenal went years and years and years without a trophy and we ended up losing to flipping um, Birmingham in, in League Cup finals and stuff like that before we finally won the FA Cup against Hull. And even that one, we made hard work of it because it's always harder to get that first one. Tottenham are seeing it. You know, it's hard to get that that first trophy since their last one 15 years ago because that's just Tottenham, obviously. But, um, yeah, it's always harder. So if we had given them that belief that they can go on and get that trophy from early on, um, it would have been, yeah, it would have been very, it would have been a, a dangerous thing. But then, do you want to give them that that belief or do you want to give United that belief? And um, to be honest, I'd much rather them because I think United, in terms of the short term, are closer to to challenging for leagues and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, that's on, on that. Um, what else did I have for Newcastle? Carrius. Yeah, just a quick thing on Carrius. I don't think the general consensus from what I've seen on social media, sir, is that Carrier should have done? Carrier should have should have done better with um, with the goal, and uh, I think that's harsh. I think it's harsh on Carriers, man, because that that deflection took it took it up, and, and it's hard to react. And I, I just think it was being a bit it was it was a bit harsh on him because I think because all the energy was coming into the match was our oh, Carriers in goal and Champions League final for Liverpool and how bad he was and how bad of a goalkeeper he was that. That was always going to be given as you know a mistake to him, but I don't think it was. I think the deflection, you know, it made it it made it hard for him. And I actually think he had a good game. 
considering obviously he conceded two goals. Sorry. But I actually think he had a he had a very, very good game. And um Yeah. Is what it is. Right. Now we're gonna get onto the Arsenal. You know, I love talking about my Arsenal. I'm not I'm gonna try and not do this for too long. But Arsenal, right? I loved it. I loved the I loved the performance on Saturday because Yes, Leicester aren't really doing too great right now, but those are the sorts of teams that are performing worse than how they should be. Do you know what I'm saying? Like Leicester should be performing better with the players that they have. And those are the potential banana skins that will come and, and bite you in your ass. And, you know, the one day you play them is the day that it all just clicks and then all of a sudden they're all playing at the top of their ability again and, you know, that is Leicester. So to to come away from that game with a clean sheet and um, with the performance that we put in and the control that we showed in that game, I was so happy with it. And, you know, from Gabriel to, and Saliba, like, honestly, Gabriel and Saliba together, you have to big them up. You know, I'm forever bigging up Rafael Varane and, and Lissandro Martinez. But if, I've got, if I'm going to big them up, then I have to big up Saliba. And Gabriel, I think Gabriel, at the beginning of the season, even now, I feel like he's one of the most disrespected centre-backs because a lot of people remember him for some of the mistakes that he makes, and rightly so, because they are bad mistakes that he has made in the past. But honestly, like, you can't look at him and not put him up there with the best centre-backs in the league. You know, I'm talking about Varane and I'm talking about Martinez as well. And currently, well, on form, because... You know me, I still like Van Dyke in it. But as well, Saliba, you gotta put him up there. And and it's funny that people when it comes to Saliba, they're quick to like he's not he's not playing too well right now. And no, he is. Saliba is playing very well, very well right now. But what it is is that at the beginning of the season he was giving he was doing tens, 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 tens every match. Whereas now you might get a seven, you might get an eight, you know. Might have the one or two sixes, but he's still performing well. And I just don't like how people are so quick to like single people out. But we're not going to do that today. We're just going to big up, you know, the 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 good performers. I mean, the good performances. And and yeah, back back to back to Gabriel. He is playing at a level right now, which is up there with the best defenders in the world. On form, I'm not saying he's one of the best. I'm not. I'm not going to do all that today. But on form, he is currently, like, one of the best about because... But you know what? Me as an Arsenal fan, I, I understand that I might be being... I might be a bit biased here, but he is... I just I just believe he's disrespected. And, you know, we see it time and time again. Like, yesterday... Not, not yesterday, Leicester. Some of the defending he was doing. And you can go through... And there's this thing about away day, Gabriel. Like... When you go, when you look at some of the big performances we've had away from home, he's been a massive part of that. And even in the even at the beginning of the season when Saliba was getting all the plaudits, Gabriel was right up there with him. So, yeah, you know, honourable shout out to him and and another honourable shout out to Martinelli and and this one it really annoys me because I was looking at Martinelli's goal contributions this season. Um, I think there was there was something that come up about gold contributions for like under 21 players or something like that and Martin in the world and Martinelli was was up there I think it was third or fourth and I'm like oh he's actually doing all right 
But if Martinelli ain't flipping scoring a goal a game or assisting a goal a game, you know, people just just get onto him, man. And I'll be the first person to say Martinelli hasn't been playing as well as he should have been. Hence why in our last game, he got benched. And rightly so. Cool. Against Villa. But he came on against Villa. Got a goal and he got an assist, which is the impact you want them to have. Which is, you know, Arteta's seen enough to then give him a spot. The first half, it wasn't quite going well for him. But then what I didn't like, you know, during halftime were... It's okay to say a player ain't playing well because he wasn't playing well. But some of the things that were getting said about him, yeah, I'm like, raw. Like, oh, take him off right now. Never mind about giving him a chance to at least try and improve. It's just like, take him off right now. I'm done with him and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, raw, is it that bad? What happens? As soon as the first half scores, you know, within two, three minutes or however, however long it was, he scores the goal. And then from there, his, his overall performance for that second half was much better. But then it just goes to show that sometimes you just have to just let these players play. Sometimes just give them a chance. You know, if Arteta said to him at halftime, look, I'm giving you 10 more minutes. If you don't change, I'm cool, take him off. Do you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm okay with that, but it's not every day. At the beginning of the season, I remember people getting onto Saka and Saka was actually playing well, but he hadn't scored. So he, oh yeah, Saka's getting on my nerves and blah, 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 blah. So let's just be easy and just give some grace to players sometimes. It's not always as deep as, you know, players have to give a 10 every game. In, a, in an ideal world, we'd want our players to give 10 every game, but it's not going to happen. It's a team sport. So if, if a player can't give a 10, but in this game he's given a 7 or whatever, it don't mean he's rubbish. Do you know what I'm saying? It don't mean he's finished. Like, let's just... Let's just build our players as opposed to just find reason to, to put them down. And with that being said, Jesus, I've been telling people in Ketia, when I said this, people thought I was I was going mad. You see me, I like Enketia. I like him a lot. But there are just things that Gabriel Jesus can do that Enketia can't do. And it's okay. That's why you've got a squad. Do you get what I'm saying? So when I'm saying that Enketia's playing well, but um, there's just some things that is missing from from his game that Gabriel Jesus does, you know, with ease. That's not me talking down on Enketia. But now we've been seeing it over the last couple of games, especially when Enketia looked a bit tired. Like, do you know what? We need Jesus. Because Jesus brings the overall level of the team up as well. So it'll be interesting to see how Arsenal, you know, get back to it when Jesus comes back. And I'm hearing that it's not too far. Apparently, it should be before the international break. So, hopefully, hopefully that happens. So, and also, I wanted to go through um, the fixture list. Arsenal and Man City's next couple fixtures. Because it's interesting. Arsenal's next six, no, one, two, three. Um, Arsenal's next five fixtures in the league. Everton at home, Bournemouth at home, Fulham away, Crystal Palace at home, and Leeds at home. Really and truly... We could, and in the ideal world, we should win all five of those matches. And I think after those next five matches, we we should see where exactly we are because Man City's next five matches, Newcastle at home, Crystal Palace away, West Ham at home, Liverpool at home, and Southampton away. So there's a couple games in there where, most notably, 
Crystal Palace away, Newcastle at home, and Liverpool at home, where they could drop points. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how how that um, how that how that plays out. But this league is um, it's interesting. It's interesting. So we're going to see how it continues to go on, and um, hopefully, it shouldn't be too. Yeah, sorry, just checking the timing. Hopefully, it shouldn't be too much of a close one where Arsenal end up flipping, missing out, God forbid. But, um, oh yeah, Sugar. There was one thing I forgot to say. Um, quick one. Jorginho, again, um, in the games where he started for Arsenal, I truly believe he has been our best player. I mean, against Leicester, he was really, really good again. But then again, so were uh, the... Um, so was so was blah, 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 Gabriel and Saliba but just a quick one to say Jorginho for all the doubters he's proven them wrong and anyone that really knows football knows that Jorginho at 10 million is a really really good buy and we're seeing it and long may it continue I'm not really going to be like oh I told you so but I told you so so um yeah, man, Jorginho, good player. He complements the midfield so well. Like when him, Odegaard, and even Xhaka are in there together doing their little, oof, it looks so good. And and another thing I was I was happy about, which adds another dynamic, was when we were trying to protect the lead, we could bring we could have Party come on and Jorginho play together, like as a as a holding two and. Honestly, it's just the fact that we could even play that way now and have and have players that can play in that system when we're trying to protect protect a lead. It it does wonders. So, yeah, really really happy about that. Um, Chelsea, oh, do you know what? I'm getting sick of tired of talking about Chelsea because they're just bad. And last week, in last week's pod, I said how this team reminds me of. Graham Potter's Brighton team where they just couldn't couldn't put the ball in the back of the net. And I was saying, do you know what? No. Like, it's worse. It's worse because at Brighton they were creating chances. Whereas you see them against Tottenham and there's not really anything there. And I tweeted, let me put let me say the tweet, yeah. Oh, so was okay basically the, the, the tweet was saying like basically how Chelsea fans are done with um you see the way Chelsea fans are done with like Aubameyang at what point is that the case for Havertz because I like him but he's not he I can't remember the last time he had a good game basically that's what the tweet said and it got quite quite a few reactions and, and stuff like that and it's the truth and I don't know why they persist with Havertz up front. I would much rather play Yao Felix there or play Aubameyang there and put Havertz in his rightful position where people are telling me that it's behind the striker. And because it's just not working. And we've all seen that it's not working, but they persist with it, persist with it. And I'm not understanding why. And if, if this continues, because he's, he's literally offering nothing, and they had a lot of energy for Mason Mount. You know, Aubameyang's had all that energy, but Havertz, for whatever reason, isn't getting that energy. Or at least I'm not seeing it. So at what point does that happen? And I'm not saying give it to him like that, but because I like him. 
I like Havertz, but he's he's been awful for a long time, and he needs to hold the bench at least. Do you know what I mean? Or change his position, change his role within the team. But they're not they're not doing that, and you know, it's not working. He's never going to be that striker. But again, they persist with it in it, and um, I just can't see right now this season how things change if they persist. I don't want to say it. But Graham Potter, unless he's got something up his sleeve, he might have to go because the players don't even look. Listen, Tottenham were all over them. Tottenham were all over them. Towards the end, it was, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I don't even know what to say. That They don't look like they're scoring. They don't look interested. They look very passive. Do you know what I mean? The Bulls, Mudrick ain't, ain't doing anything. They're making Sterling look bad and, and also, this Sterling disrespect, it needs to stop as well. Like, I think people, people, people forget, people so easily forget how, how good Raheem Sterling is. And I think people are just looking at Raheem Sterling for this version that we're seeing right now, where Chelsea aren't playing to his strengths. But when you look at any team he's been on, I'm talking about Liverpool, Man City, even playing for England, any time you play to his strengths, he's one of the most effective people on the pitch. Always. City, we're talking about City, we're at the height of Man City. Sterling was an integral part of that. Probably one of the most important, yeah, one of the most important pe- um, people at Liverpool, which is what got him to, which is what got him the move anyway. Um, England, always the most effective for England over the last couple of seasons. So I think now that we're seeing Chelsea play and they're playing badly and everyone's playing badly, to be honest, we shouldn't, we, sh- we shouldn't remember how good Sterling is because... You know, people are comparing him to Zaha. Who was it? I can't remember. And uh, sorry, I can't remember. It's even lucky that I can't remember. But someone was telling me, was comparing him to, he's not better than Olise. He's not better than Zaha. He's not better than Eze. And I was saying natural ability, fair enough. In terms of ability, he's not better. But I know who I'd much rather have. I'd much rather have Sterling, if I'm being totally honest. Because... Them other players, they're not as effective as him. They're not game changers like like Sterling is. So let's not forget who Sterling is. Do you know what I mean? Like he's he's a big man and he deserves the respect as well, isn't it? But we need to get him somehow, won't we? Chelsea needs to somehow get him playing again because he's looking bad. He's come back from injury as well. But it's been a bit stop starish and stop startish and you know, at the beginning of the season he was scoring and it looked like he was carrying them on his back and then yeah, it's all a bit like at Chelsea. It's all a bit just stagnant. Like, what's going on there, innit? So, I'd be very surprised if Potter is still there next week or after the international break, whenever that is. I'll be very, very surprised. And also, on Tottenham, Tottenham seems to be playing better when Conte's not there, which is which I find quite funny. Like, all their good performances recently, Conte hasn't been there. So... I don't know. Maybe maybe he's actually recovered, but he's actually seen the change, so he just decided to stay home for, stay home a bit longer. And also, can someone please tell me where this Chelsea Tottenham beef comes from? Because I remember the Battle of the Bridge when Tottenham were going for the league, and Chelsea said nope. I remember that, but I'm hearing it's a lot deeper than that in regards to transfers between the clubs never happened and. As far as I can remember, it doesn't actually happen. I can't remember any signings from Chelsea to Tottenham. Nope. 
they hate each other. Like, I don't know wh- where it started, but can someone please enlighten me? Because, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I know the Williams stuff happened, um, the Battle of the Bridge. But, yeah, I, I just didn't know. So, basically, how, why, uh, the reason why I, I even clocked onto it was because when someone was talking about places, potential places that Harry Kane could go, it was like he'll never go Chelsea. They'll never even do like business with them. I was like, why not? I was like, you can't do that, Chelsea to, to Tottenham. I legit did not even know it. So please, someone just enlighten me about this Chelsea Tottenham beef because I don't know where it comes from. And I'd like to know. Um next up. Next up. Okay. So a quick honourable shout out to um Aston Villa, and I know this is like super random, but I honestly believe Unai is going to get this Aston Villa team playing, you know, in a way where it's like, wow. Because the thing is, at Arsenal, he had players, he was trying to play very high level, but he had players that weren't coachable, in my opinion. You know, he, he was trying to do a thing with Mustafi and, and Socrates and, and people like that. Like, it was never going to happen. Whereas when you've got players who are coachable, might have a little less ability, but they're ready to work like he's got at Aston Villa. I truly believe that they're going to go on and do something. And and what I'm, a player that epitomises that is Ollie Watkins. And I'm so happy for him because he works and works and works and he's getting the goals now that he deserves to be getting because a lot of the time, Ollie Watkins is, is he's too much of a team player at times, if that makes sense, where... He sacrifices himself, you know, as a result of, you know, he sacrificed himself for the greater good for the team. Whereas now he's he's playing, he's playing in, in a way where he's getting the goals and it's the goals that he deserves. So I just wanted to just big him up and, and long may it continue for him. But listen, Oli, when it comes when it comes to playing Arsenal, take it easy. That's what I'm saying. You always want to turn up against Arsenal. Just take it easy. So um, there was that and Liverpool the reason I want to talk about Liverpool because to be honest it's less about what they're doing wrong and whatever because I'm tired of that but I honestly believe Liverpool are only two or three signings away from um, from being back to where they are I think all of their problems starts with the fact that you know Liverpool's midfield was such a big part of how they played and the fact that they've not had a reliable midfield like they have in the past couple of seasons, it has a knock-on effect. And then once you've lost a couple of games, like, and, you know, that midfield security and protection isn't there and they're not bringing what they're used to, it has a knock-on effect. So now the defence are overloaded and, you know, more mistakes are going to happen and, you know, confidence goes down and, and now suddenly you're getting players who who are defending like, like, look how Joe Gomez was defending like the other day. Look how Van Dijk's been defending. You know what I mean? Like, they're overworked. Trent, Trent's never defended so much in his life. In the, in the years previous, in all the, in all, in all the years previously, combined, he's probably not defended as much as he's had to defend now. So, um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely think that Liverpool, once they sort out their midfield, a lot of their problems will go. But I, I feel like they need two or three, two or three new midfielders to, to come in and just steady that because their midfield is a massive part of how they play. So, 
yeah, once they sort out that midfield issue, suddenly, you know, the defence aren't going to be so overworked and, you know, they can get back to actually, you know, rebuilding confidence and actually defending properly and, and actually having, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like systems, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Positions, oh my gosh, my mind's gone blank. Yeah, my mind's gone blank. But the way that that that, that they set up, do you get what I mean? The, the patterns of play and, and everything, it, it will all come back. And then when you've got midfielders that can actually assist the strikers too, you know, and that can actually play in a way where Klopp wants them to play in regards to that high press and energy, I, I think they'll be back. So, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, and I think that's going to be it for me. The last thing I wanted to say, yeah. So we were speaking about, I think it was Jude Bellingham. I was speaking about Jude Bellingham. And, um, you know, they're saying that this summer he's going to be the one to go. They do this every year. There's always one player that, that they decide to make the one that everyone in the world wants. And Jude Bellingham is that guy this year, I reckon. But they're talking about 100 million. And for me, I think it's so crazy that players are worth 100 million. It's when you look at the overall market. And Chelsea have definitely messed it up. Big time. Barcelona first tra- messed it up by paying like for Coutinho and, and players like that for over hundred million. But then it looked like it looked like it was settling down a bit. But then Chelsea have now come in now and paid a hundred and something for Mudrik. I mean Mudrik for Enzo and and Mudrik going for almost you know ninety ninety mil and it's and Anthony going for however many millions and and it just makes me think that how many players are actually worth 100 million in this climate like if you take out the inflation brought in by you know Manchester United and Chelsea making all these signings and Barcelona really intrigued the only player who is worth 100 million to me anyway is Mbappe and I, I said Neymar but you know if Neymar was to go for 100 million I wouldn't be surprised but equally if he was to go for 70 like yeah, but the 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 only player who rightfully is worth more than a hundred million is Mbappe. If I'm wrong, then let me know which other players you think could go for hundred million. Because I think hundred million for for any player in this day and age is is ridiculous. I can't see which players are worth that much. So when I'm hearing that Jude Bellingham, as much as you know, Jude Bellingham, Jude Bellingham is my top player under the age of 21 like it's Jude but I don't think he's worth 100 million so when I'm hearing Declan Rice is, is you know they're asking for 100 million for, I'm like are you what when they're asking for 100 million for Jade Ascension I'm like what it's crazy it's crazy so yeah you guys let me know and um, yeah, I think that's going to be it for me like I said I'm going to be back doing live streams literally as soon as I cut this camera off now as soon as I do the edit I'm going to look into the whole what I need to do the last year and get it popping again. But um, yeah, that's it from me, guys, man. I'm out. <laughs>